Yo, it's recording. Hello. Hi. Today is August 30th. Is it? Yes, it is. It is. We are almost at the end of August of 2020. Oh. What a year. Oh. Today, what are we talking about, Aaron? Uh, hell, I think. Uh, you gotta be like, hell. Hell's for children. Jeez, thanks, Pat Benatar. That's a song. I'm not saying hell's for children. I just corrected. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're all children of creation, I guess, and some of yeah, those... Yeah, but it's, ab- it's about abused children, so... It's very distinct and specific. Unless it's talking about, like, the, also, the concept of hell's for children. You just took a drink of your coffee and put it in a little, like, lap pad mug spot... Mm-hmm. really close to your laptop and mm-hmm. I kind of think you might get too passionate and like top it over because you have a non spill coffee all over your laptop so I would suggest that you move it immediately I got nowhere else to put it over there on the coffee table but then it's too far I know it's if just it spills it's your fault yes it will be my fault hello hello okay. uh, I have not prepared at all Alex has. So. As usual. Alright, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about hell. We're gonna talk about connections uh, of beliefs of hell with d- different different groups, including New Age groups, but within the the realm of Christianity. Uh, well, I mean, I would say that, but I, I suspect that some of these groups m- might Protest? identify as Protestant. I don't know. Mm. People are weird. So, I'd Aaron. Say fringe Christian groups. Uh, um, everything will offend somebody. But anyway, that's okay. We can offend people. Well, fringe is, just means not the majority. Mm. So. All right, Aaron. What you, w- without any. Any previous research? What yeah. do you think about hell? Uh, <laughs> so, we're started. No, I want to know what you think about hell. I don't want to hear other people's thoughts. Well, <laughs> I already know where this is going. Well, some people think. Just tell me what you think. It's okay if you're wrong. Well, that's the thing, though, because I'm going off of what I've heard. Okay. I'm... Well, we'll go with what you've heard, but just say like, I believe. Eventually, I might get to that, but we'll start off this way. That's such a cop out. <laughs> um, what I was going to say yes. was there's sort of, I think, two main ideas where one is hell is torture for sin and disbelief and everything. Unbelief, whatever. And the other option is hell is sort of like the absence of God, so not necessarily torture, but like, everything that God is, so, you know, peace, love, whatever, all of that isn't in hell, and Alex just looked at me like, you know, whatever God is, peace, love, joy, whatever. (laughs) all of those things that Mm. everyone typically knows or thinks of God as. Do people know that, though? You're giving people a lot of credit. I guess. 
We, we've been to Bible college. We know what people think. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's kind of like, is it torture or is it just everything that God isn't and that can entail maybe nothingness or annihilation or like a deep... Well, nothingness deep and annihilation are two different things. Yeah, I know. So that sounds like there's three options. a lot of variations of what this could be. Okay. Because um, I don't have like a solid Well, if, if you were to pick one that, like, out of those three that you gave me, one that I you just, like... Have, like, there's, it, if I were to have, like, the best case scenario, I would think, like, death and then annihilation would be, like, okay, at least in that sense, God isn't, you know, there isn't, like, this sense of torture for people that, you know, might have lived a good life, but just didn't believe in God, and therefore, like, Jesus, and therefore, they go to hell anyway, because a lot of people have issues with that, because they're like, if you live a good, moral life, why should you go to hell for that? So, on the one hand, I'm like, okay, well, you might not get to heaven as we know it, but if you just become nothing, at least that's not torture, you know, at least that's just, you lived, hmm. you died, and it's But can you live a good and moral life? Well, see, then that's another question. Is it even possible to live a moral life um, as a non-believer? Because, so, like, a, you know, a lot of people be like, I don't do any bad stuff, but Jesus said if you do it in your heart, mm-hmm. that's just as bad. And I have not met anyone who doesn't at least think about doing something wrong. Yeah, huh. and then again, um, it might, for some people, boil down to one's intention. So, like, if you're intending to be a good person and you work towards that, whether or not you succeed at it, but if you intend to do those things, is that good enough? Because you've been trying to do those things. I don't know. There's people that do Christian yoga and they just intend to do know, exercise, but is it? Hmm. So, yeah. So, on the one hand, I'm like, it, that would be nice, just... Annihilation would be nice because then it's at least like it's it's done and over. And... Yeah, it's not like hmm. never-ending torture or whatever. Um, but on the other hand, it's like, well, if you have, you know, do you think it's right that let's say there's a serial killer who never gets caught, kills a hundred people, then he dies, has had no justice at all? Would that be just to say, oh no, he just dies and becomes nothing? Like there is no retribution for what he does so for that kind of person you'd be like well it kind of would be nice if hell was torture because then at least he would get torture you know in the afterlife for eternity so it's sort of um this like i don't know i don't i don't have an answer but mm. i can see that as being a um a concern uh but then you know here's another thing you would have like God is the great judge, so he would be able to judge, you know, um, there could be a person we think was a good person and wasn't actually a good person, and therefore maybe hell as torture is still appropriate for that person. And then the other question is, is hell as torture appropriate for anyone? You know, would a loving God send someone, like, to a torturous hell? Like, that's an mm. issue. I think that's kind of why Rod Bell wrote his book about... But a lot, of, a lot of people argue, though, that God doesn't send people to yeah, hell. Yeah, you send yourself to hell. Send yourself because you refuse to accept And then that salvation. kind of brings you that other issue of, like, well, if there's, like, I don't know, an African tribe somewhere on the earth that has never been discovered and they don't know Jesus but they're good people, should they 
go to hell because they never knew Jesus and they had no way to know Jesus unless, I mean, I guess you could talk about, like, it's, like, natural, it's this part of theology that I can't remember the name of, but basically the idea is, like, you see the world and you see the complexity of it and you must know based off that that, you know, you were created, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you know who Jesus is. That just means you might, you know, understand that there is a God. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a complicated. Uh, yeah. Issue. Well, you're talking about two things, though. So you're talking about salvation and hell. Yeah. We're just talking about hell. But I think they're interrelated. They are interrelated, but I think salvation would have to be a whole other topic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, would you be surprised to know that there isn't really a word for hell in the Bible? Isn't the closest, like, Sheol, Sheol, well, I can't say it, Sheol? So, there's there's a couple words, and uh, none of them really mean the thing that we think it so means. So, yeah. So, uh, we're going to go through a few. So, the Hebrews uh, talked about uh, Sheol. That's the word. Or Hades. Yep. But there's some stuff about that. We'll, we'll get back to that. We'll go through the list of words. Uh, there's also Abaddon. Mm-hmm. There's Gehenna. Or uh, Gehenna. Ge- <laughs> there we go. Sometimes, you know, just having you all just these... You so much of your tongue as you were trying to say that word. You loved it. Uh, there's also uh, a very small reference to Tartarus. What if he well. likes fish and chips? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a person, you big goof. It's a verb. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so now you got the words. You got... Yeah, what do they mean? Well, which one do you want to know about? Well, all of them. Define them. Okay, well, Sheol and Hades um, are not really Hebrew words, really. Uh, they're actually like more like Greek, so we know Hades as like Greek mythology, uh, you know, Hades, and, uh, yeah, uh, well, Sheol is, I, I guess, more like the, the Hebrew version of that, but even then, I believe there's some, uh, there's some roots, I'm just going through my notes, because I know I have one. Whoa, just hold on. So, uh, she- Sheol actually is kind of a borrowed term so both are borrowed terms uh from like ancient assyria babylonia like way way ancient mesopotamia things so what's interesting about that um is there's not really like a a teaching from like god or jesus about hell but we have comparisons like jesus talked about like sheol hades but he used them as, like, allegory to describe... How do we know he used them as allegory? Whoa! Well, they're, uh, it's a Greek god uh, place, so I feel pretty good. feel pretty good about it being not accurate. But at the other end, wouldn't he be using language that they understood? So... Well, I think that's why he talks about Sheol and Hades, is because the ancient uh, Hebrew culture borrowed... Sheol from these uh, other cultures. But did they understand it as hell, or did they understand it as something? Well, just 
you're getting you're getting ahead of yourself. You're not letting me answer some of these questions. Um, but yeah, I'll uh, here, grab your Bible. You're gonna do some Bible lookups for me. Yeah, I know. What about your temple police Bible? It's too far away, and I don't want to spill my tea. Which is delicious, by the way. Okay. Okay, so let's look up some things about Sheol. So if you went to Genesis 37. Way back at the beginning. Yeah, it's uh, pretty old school. Genesis 37. Mm-hmm. Roughly verse 35, but it might be like a plus or a minus. <laughs> That's helpful. Well, I mean like... I don't know if this is the middle of, like, an idea, so you might have to go back a verse or two for, like, context. Okay. This context is Joseph, a kid with a coat, (laughs) Mm. Uh, has just, I guess, been... Has he been Mm. sold? I I don't know. You're going to have to tell me. I don't have the exact... uh, I mean, just just go back a verse oh, or two. And oh, let's, they, uh, they let's told read. their brother that he had been killed. Or they told their father that their brother Joseph had been killed. Okay. So they took Joseph's tunic and slaughtered a male goat and dipped the tunic in the blood. And they sent the very colored tunic, that's interesting, instead of multicolored, and brought it to their father and said, We found this. Please examine it to see whether it is your son's tunic or not. Then he examined it and said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. So Jacob tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. Then all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted, and he said, Surely I will go down to Sheol in mourning for my son. So his father wept for him. Hmm. Cool. So we're going we're gonna to jump ahead. So just to get some ideas about... What uh, uh, early Hebrew people thought about Sheol. So we're going to go to Numbers 16, 30 to 33, roughly. As he finished speaking all these words, the ground that was under them split open, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up, and their households and all the men who belonged to Korah with their possessions. So they and all that belonged to them went down alive to Sheol, and the earth closed over them, and they perished from the midst of the assembly. Mm -hmm. All Israel who were around them fled at their outcry, for they said, The earth may swallow us up. Interesting. All right, let's go to Psalms. It's interesting that they were swallowed alive. Hmm. Okay. There's actually, uh, I think it was a fringe episode where that sort of thing happened, Hmm. where things uh, pulled people into the ground. Mm, That too, yeah. Uh, Psalms 86, verse 13. One thing that's nice about Psalms is it's like basically right in the middle of the Bible, so you can just like, you can kind of like guess and you're going to end up somewhere in Psalms probably. Okay. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart and will glorify your name forever. For your loving kindness toward me is great, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Cool. It's really hard for me to say that word. That's okay. Sheol? Sheol is how I pronounce it. I'm sure someone would disagree with me. Alright, so this is going to be our last one. Okay. Um, Ecclesiastes, chapter 9. Oh, that's a hard book. Is that 
It is, but I believe it's uh, after Psalms. Well, Ecclesiastes is like, uh, there you go. What verse? Uh, we're going for chapter 9, verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, for there is no activity or planning or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol where you are going. Hmm. Some things that we can glean about Sheol is that it kind of sounds like everyone might go there. But you can be rescued from it. Mm -hmm. um, according to the book of Enoch, which I don't have an exact reference to, it talks about the, uh, the division between the righteous and the wicked in, uh, in Sheol. Yeah, I guess we can relate this back to Hades. In a um, but anyway, uh, there's also talk about like it's a place where maybe people wait for resurrection. And, um, yeah, so according to some scholars, they think that it is a borrowed term from, like, Akkad, Assyria, Isin, Larsa, Babylonia, like, somewhere in that area of Mesopotamia. And did I lose you? Oh, no, I was just looking up Enoch. Um, want me to read you? What it has to say about Sheol? Yeah. Sure. It's chapter... Enoch's journeys through the earth and Sheol. And they took and brought me to a place in which those who were there were like flaming fire, and when they wished, they appeared as men. And they brought me to the place of darkness and to a mountain, the point of whose summit reached to heaven. And I saw the places of the luminaries and the treasuries of the stars and of the thunder and in the uttermost depths where there were a f where were a fiery bow and arrows and their quiver and a fiery sword and all the lightnings. And they took me to the living waters and to the fire of the west, which receives every setting of the sun. And I came to a river of fire in which the fire flows like water and discharges itself into the great sea towards the west. I saw the great rivers and came to the great river and to the great darkness and went to the place where no flesh walks. I saw the mountains of the darkness of winter and the place whence all the waters of the deep flow. I saw the mouths of all the rivers of the earth and the mouth of the deep. Hmm. Interesting. So another thing that we can, we can say about Sheol is a lot of people seem to think it is inside the earth. Hmm. Yep. So a lot of people... I'm just grabbing my Bible as well. A lot of people have translated this historically as just the grave. And Hades is kind of similar. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you to go to the next place. Mm -hmm. uh, the parable of Lazarus. So we're, we're talking Luke 16. Starting at verse 19. You can use some ASMR with my pages. Hmm. 16, verse 13? Uh, 19 to 31. You, you, yeah, you might as well read the whole chunk. Okay. Now there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyless, joyously living in splendor every day. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate, covered with sores, and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Ugh. That's quite the image. 
Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he is being comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able, and that none may cross over from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. But he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. Now, to be clear, that's like a parable. But again, we're starting How to get... How do you know that's a parable? Because Jesus is... If you go back a couple of verses, he's like... He's like, Hey, I'm going to tell you guys a parable. Mm. <laughs> you know. But, um, so that's talking about Hades, mm -hmm. uh, and Sheol and Hades are mostly translated, like, almost interchangeably, um, so they have a lot of the same context where it's like, it's like a place everyone sort of goes when they're dead, and according to at least the book of Enoch and, uh, and then Luke. There's a there, lot of fire. There, there's, well, two, two separate places, there's like... Uh, the Hades side of it, which sounds like uh, it's torment. And then there's like Abraham's bosom, or uh, I guess if there's the two terms, I'm guessing Sheol refers to like the good part of it and Hades the bad part. Um, mm. I don't know. No. But anyway. I disagree. Well, you, in, in the parable, didn't it just talk about Hades being uh, where... Um, yeah, but the there's, there's no reason to say then that, Abraham's bosom. that Sheol is a good place, though, is what you said. Did well, you just speak? I'm saying it's like a neutral place where both good and bad people go. Well... Because Abraham's bosom is part of uh, Hades, according to the parable of Lazarus. No, not necessarily. But... It just says that the, the rich man who died was in Hades, and that the poor man was... But they could they could like the see each other and, and talk to mean each it's other. That doesn't necessarily the same place. Hmm. It's a parable. It doesn't have to literally be like doesn't have to follow certain logical rules of oh they have to see each other. Oh well, because what I was reading mentioned that Enoch, uh, the book of Enoch says that it's like divided and there's a place for the righteous in Sheol and a place for the wicked as well. Well, we can keep going. There, there's so much more to cover. Oh, well, actually, maybe maybe the next next Bible reference I'm gonna make you go to could uh, reveal some stuff. Okay. Uh, I want you to go to Revelation 20, Ooh. 13 to 14, which let me some revelation. Seems to say that uh, the place of Hades will be emptied of righteous people, and then Hades will be cast into the lake of fire. Okay. But anyway, uh, let, let, let's read what, it. What is it? 
Revelation 20, 13, and 14. You know, too far, that's uh, the book of index. Uh, verses, sorry? 13 and 14. And the seal gave me another and the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them and they were judged every one of them according to their deeds then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire this is the second death the lake of fire and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life he was thrown into the lake of fire yeah so like maybe Lots there's a, there's a group in there that was in Hades that was judged, and uh, if if they were judged uh, to be it's wicked... It's interesting that it says death and Hades are thrown into the lake of fire, suggesting that death is different than the lake of fire prior to this point. I wonder what the Greek is, because that Greek could actually be uh, um, like Hades or Sheol. Yeah. But... If I were to make a guess, it would make sense to me that death would be Sheol um, in this case because if you think about all the other stories of like people falling in between like through the earth right that'd probably kill you and then if you lose your son like Joseph's father you would probably feel like what dying. If, if you lose your yeah remember oh. multicolored I, I, I see what you're saying and he's like I'm gonna go down into Sheol like it has a very like to both of those stories. Mm. Cool. The next next thing we're going to talk about, just to, like, give us uh, even more context, there's a few more before we get into, like, maybe more of a discussion about, like, what some some people believe. But Abaddon, do you know what Abaddon is? Uh, or more so, who Abaddon yeah, I is? I thought it was a person, uh, not a person, a thing, uh, a noun. Hmm. A demon? I don't know. Well, why don't you read Revelation 9, verse 11. I haven't read Revelation in a long time. And here you are, just reading away like a pro. Oh, okay. Verse 11. <laughs> verse 11. They have as king over them the angel of the abyss. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. And in the Greek, he has the name Apollyon. Yo. And so some things associated with him is um, a bottomless pit, um, right, like the abyss. Uh, now, I have something that says that it was near Sheol, but not necessarily. I just have a footnote Sure. Uh, in my Bible for Abaddon, and I'll just read it. The locust demons have a leader whose name in Hebrew and in Greek means destroyer. It yep. may be a play on words by John to show that those who worshipped the great god Apollo worshipped only a demon. Hmm. Could be. But anyway, so that's, uh, this is the only one reference for, like, Avedon that I'm aware of. Hmm. Um, but it also kind of talks about something that's, like, kind of near Sheol and bottomless pit. That seems very hell hell-like, in, in a sense. The next one, this one I think you're going to be the most uh, amused by. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to be amused. So, do you know what Gehenna is? Nope. Well, let's go to Jeremiah oh, chapter 7. Yeah, keep going. Keep going. Jeremiah! Okay, Jeremiah 7. Verse 31. 
Again, this might be like a plus or minus. I'm not sure where the context of it starts, but. Well, my Bible has a bold at verse 27, so we'll start there. Okay. I think that's like indicating where the different chunks are. You shall speak all these words to them, but they will not listen to you. And you shall call to them, but they will not answer you. You shall say to them, this is the nation that did not obey the voice of the Lord, their God, or accept correction. Truth has perished and has been cut off from their mouth. Cut off your hair and cast it away, and take up a lamentation on the bare heights. For the Lord has rejected and forsaken the generation of his wrath. For the sons of Judah have done that which is evil in my sight, declares the Lord. They have set their detestable things in the house which is called by my name to defile it. They have built the high places of Topheth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, and it did not come into my mind. Hmm. Cool. So that, that's, that's some context. Now, if we go to Jeremiah chapter 19. So we know there's some child sacrifice going on. Hmm. So if you go oh, to... I'll just read the next verse real quick. Oh, sure. Because these seem relevant. Sure. Therefore, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when it will no longer be called Topheth or the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of the slaughter, for they will bury in Topheth because there is no other place. Which is interesting that slaughter is capitalized. Hmm. And that's sort of violent. <laughs> yes. And bloody. All right, Jeremiah okay. 19, 2 to 6. This might actually describe the places Gehenna. Whereas Jeremiah 731 is just like, oh, uh, they perform child sacrifice. But more interestingly-ish, they did it in a place called Gehenna, Gehenna, outside of Jerusalem. But, uh... What verse? Uh, two to six, roughly. Then go out of the valley of Ben-Hinnom, which is by the entrance of the uh, Pochard Gate. You're really making me read words here mm. and proclaim there the words that I tell you and say hear the word of the Lord O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem thus says the Lord of hosts the God of Israel behold I am about to bring a calamity upon this place in which the ears of everyone that hears of it will tingle because they have forsaken me and have made this an alien place and have burned sacrifices in it to other gods that neither they nor their forefathers nor the kings of Judah had ever known and because they have filled this place with the blood of the innocent and have built the high places of Baal to burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal a thing which I never commanded or spoke of nor did it ever enter my mind therefore behold days are coming declares the Lord when this place will no longer be called Topeth how do you say that Topheth. P and an H becomes an F sound, right? In English. It should be called Topheth. Yeah. Or the Valley of Ben-Hinnom, but rather the Valley of Slaughter. Cool, and I think Gahana is uh, Valley of Slaughter. Is there like a footnote or anything on that? Um, not currently. Mm. Yeah, anyway. So anyway. Uh, the Just here says, Topheth was located in the valley and means fireplace, and it was probably the place where children were burned as sacrifices. Yes. So, this is, this is the story. This is the, uh, uh, the easy reading version of the Bible. So, King, er, King, King Ahaz, you know it's going to be easy, easy reading when I can't even say it right. King Ahaz 
um, had like one son that was like uh, the lineage of the kings, and he was actually the next runner-up. But King Ahaz also maybe had a bunch of kids through like pagan concubines, and uh, most of those kids got sacrificed, if not all of them. So uh, he's a he's a real winner. Um, yeah. Also, just as a slight correction, I think you are right that Sheol um, includes hell and paradise. Mm. Where, uh, the righteous, uh, me, right? Yeah, yeah I know. Me? Righteous souls went at death until Jesus' resurrection. Mm. Sheol was the lower parts of the earth, the nether parts of the earth, and the heart of the earth. Um, it's shown in the Bible to include hell, paradise, what you mentioned as Abraham's bosom, and a great gulf pit or abyss, and apparently the Garden of Eden. So that's interesting. Hmm. I oh. guess that's why you can never get back to the Garden uh, of Eden. According to what, though? Like what? I think that's according to the Book of Enoch. Hmm. Okay. Right, so anyway, so Gehenna, uh, the rabbinic tradition, is that it's not really hell, but like sort of like a purgatory where eventually judgment happens. So that's what the rabbis would teach. Although, the thing with purgatory is you might not ever escape purgatory, whereas... Well, that's, that's why this is, like, it's similar to... This isn't... It's just, like... Purgatory. Like, kind of like a holding cell. <laughs> yeah, it's just, like, when you die, like, your body goes into the ground, uh, and that's, like, to most of the Hebrews, that's, that's sure. Your, your body is in the ground. This reminds me, I think I remember reading once that... Um, like everyone went to Sheol before Jesus's crucifixion. That that is a theory, yes. And then after the crucifixion, then everyone was then separated to either hell, hell, or paradise at that point. But the parable of Lazarus happened before the crucifixion. Um, but he could have also been like preparing them for what was to come, since it was maybe. Jesus saying. But it was also just a parable, yeah. too. So like. You know, t- take it with a, a certain grain of salt, mm-hmm. but it's also Jesus' parable, so take it with more than a grain of salt, but yeah. at the same time, uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, for Gehanna, I believe that was, it also in in later days, later days. What does that mean? What do you so mean in, Jesus, in Jesus' time, okay. uh, it was kind of like a place where you burned garbage and stuff, like outside of Jerusalem, like pe- people would just kind of like toss your garbage out there. Um, and that's, you know, you get like, you oh, know, gnashing of Bible, teeth and... Wherever that place is that you're saying is in Ben Hinnom was the garbage dump of Jerusalem. Oh, oops. And the place where children are sacrificed to the god Moloch. Oh, well that, that does sound like, uh, you know, child sacrifice. Yeah, because Moloch is another name for Baal, so... Okay. So, Gehenna apparently has a couple names that yeah. I, I didn't, uh, catch. That's okay, Ben Hinnom. Oh. I'm uh, reading the new American Standard for those interested. Oh, so fancy. I know. Um, you wouldn't let me use my Septuagint. Well, you, you <laughs> could use your Septuagint. <laughs> jokes, That's jokes. fine. Um, it's just everything gets more complicated because then things change. <laughs> That's true. Um, but anyway, so so we kind of know about uh, Gehanna. So this goes back to what you were saying where... Jesus kind of describes, like, that garbage dump with, like, dogs gnashing their teeth and, like, fire and whatever. And he's like, that's kind of like hell. 
But, I mean, in, for his people, he would have said, kind of like Sheol or kind of like Hades. But, we again, we don't really have a teaching. Like, a direct teaching. We have more like, here's the parables of it, so... Could it also be that he didn't feel that, like, Jesus didn't feel the need to give a direct teaching because they have older Old Testament teachings that they fall back on? Well, my theory is that hell is not a tool for evangelism. Yeah, so I think that's Jesus never had to bring up like, oh yeah, so if you don't do all these things, you're going to go to hell. Like that that doesn't help anyone. That's like saying if if you can't figure out all these math problems, you're going to fail. Well, like, yeah, you need to be taught. Um <laughs> So, uh anyway, uh it's better to to teach the the things that we know about than the things we don't. Like what's kind of clear already is that I think the, the equivalent to that would be like a parent saying like, uh, you better love me or else I'm going to like stab you or burn your hand off or something. Jeez. Like, you have some really weird punishments. No, Remind <laughs> me not to leave you alone with our future children. I'm just saying. Just like, kidding. Like, it's not even equivalent to math problem. It's equivalent to like a friend or a parent and then being like, you better love me or else. Like, yeah. that's, that, no. It's not, it's not good. Yeah, relationships built on fear never last. Exactly. Um, but anyway, so Jesus, like, yeah, used it to describe stuff. Um, uh, what hell is sort of like, or what Sheol is sort of like. Um, also, what's kind of interesting is Gehenna is really only used in the Synoptic Gospels. Um, so, like, Jesus' um, teaching there with uh, Lazarus, but also... You might want to clarify the Synoptic the synoptic gospels are for uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. There you go. And uh, the only other reference outside of that is James three six, which I I can look up. But you're just talking about the New Testament. Yes, uh, because uh, in the Old Testament they don't really talk about Gehenna other than like in Jeremiah, as far as I'm aware. But uh, let me let me just crack open James, cracking a cold James with the boys, if you will. Alright, there, there's James. It's a quick one to, to accidentally scroll by here. Scroll. Turn pages by. And anyway, that says something to the extent of... Let me kind of back it up from 6. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is set on fire by hell. And, of course, hell would be, in this case, uh, Gehenna, I believe. Let me just see if I can uh, see, see if there's a reference down here. Side note. Uh, nope. The oldest historical reference to the Valley of Gehenna is in Joshua 15.8 and 18.16. Well, yeah, I think, I think we'll be getting there. And then they talk about it um, in Second Chronicles. Oh, okay, I see what happened. So I only grabbed uh, the Jeremiah stuff, but yeah, Jeremiah cross-references to Chronicles yeah. with King Ahaz and, and his children. Okay, because I, I, I know I read by that uh, when I was doing doing my uh, my notes here, and I was like, ah, I'll just grab the Jeremiah one. That's fine. Um, then, but but uh, now you know the rest I of the story. I think it's also a verse Isaiah. Hmm. Oh, it doesn't mention it by name, but it does... 
Oh. It was a pretty popular place if they could just be like the burning place and everyone's like, oh yeah, where we burned some of our kids. <laughs> and then like two guys like, you know, grab each other's shoulders like, oh man, what a what a riot. Do you think it's crazy that like God saved saved like the nation so many times and like a couple weeks later they're like, hey, have you seen this golden calf I built? Yep. <laughs> Better sacrifice a kid in front of it. Like, what? And people think that doesn't happen today, which surprises me. Human beings have been sacrificing other human beings for basically, basically like since the beginning. Like, you're a generation or two at a at a Adam and Eve, and they're like, yeah, I guess we can like burn some people or something. It, it's Not crazy. Just people, but children. Well, that's some of them, you know. Um, depending on I think which, which like early religion, uh, you know, they may have been picky about children versus, like, women versus foreigners versus whatever, but... I think yeah. typically it was your firstborn child, because they had the most, like, um, impact. Mm. So it's kind of like uh, the inverse of, like, first fruits were, like, when you're sacrificing to God yearly for, like... I'm gonna say for, like, a couple more times. For, like, for, like, for, like, for, like... There we go. But what when you're doing sacrifice for your crops, it's always supposed to be like the first fruits, like the best and and uh, uh, most voluptuous crops and and well to uh, to continue on with some associated terms um, with Gehenna, which actually kind of jumps around. Maybe this one isn't just. I think it's just generally like things that are associated with like the the generic terms of like Sheol, Hades, uh, Gehenna, Ab Abaddon. Well, I guess not so much Abaddon, but like we're not going to go to all of these because uh, there's a lot and they're all over the place. But there's like a place of perishing, which uh, you'd find like the, the Gospel of John and the Epistles of Pawn, or <laughs> Pawn, John. Uh, death, which again is uh, Gospel of John, Epistles of John. Uh, condemnation, same places. John really likes talking about perishing death, like condemnation. Any common roots? Um, yeah. Well, I'd assume specifically with John, they would be uh, the same words. But I'm just saying, like, these are like terms that he uses to describe Sheol and, and Hades. Or what and, you think he's describing? Yeah. Uh, there's also a place In other of, words, places he's describing of, like, not heaven. Yeah, so like, so it'd be like perishing, death, like condemnation, judgment, or yeah, whatever. Uh, Paul describes it as wrath in Romans and Thess Second Thessalonians, uh, also everlasting destruction in the same uh, general places. Because you have like the contrast of everlasting life, and then you have the everlasting destruction. Yep. Uh, author of Hebrews uh, called it a raging fire. Um, Second Peter calls it destruction. Jude 7 calls it eternal fire. Um, Jude 13 calls it the blackest darkness. It kind of relates really well with Enoch. Yeah. That section I read. And uh, Revelation refers to it as a lake of fire, burning sulfur, and uh, the place where the devil, beast, and false prophet will be tormented. Mm, so there is torment. At, le at least for those three. Um maybe maybe for more now there's one last word that as far as i'm currently aware is only referred to once 
is uh, Tartarus, which is in Second Peter, uh, which vaguely translates to like thrown down to hell. Um, and a lot of the scholars would kind of describe it as a a place of divine punishment below Hades. How do you spell that? T a r t a r u s. Okay, so that is also from Greek mythology. Yeah, and again, uh, when you live in a Greek culture, you use yeah. Greek terms to describe uh, describe things. So it's really tough because Sheol and Hades uh, both are like borrowed terms. So there's a lot of connotation about those places mm-hmm. um, that aren't necessarily biblical, but they're used to describe biblical truths. Um, so... Uh, to go back to the things that you were saying, there's uh, two, I, I would say, like, mainline-ish views of hell. So there's uh, eternal torment, and uh, the other is annihilation. Mm-hmm. So uh, eternal torment would be... Um, Wouldn't it be interesting if it was actually both? Well, it can't be eternal torment if, if you don't exist, because no, I'm just mean, not eternal. I mean, like... It's eternal torment for the people who deserve the eternal torment, and it's annihilation for the people that kind of meh. So, so like. Yeah, but that sounds a whole lot like I was Latter Day Saints or Jehovah's Witness, where there's like levels of heaven. This sounds like it's just the inverse of that, which seems. So there's a website talking about Tartarus, and they say that uh, it's where the most wicked and vilest monsters are sent to have a torturous existence for the rest of their lives. And it just makes me wonder, like, all those different words that we have, like Sheol and Hades and Tartarus and all these things, um, I don't know, it, 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 do you know what I'm saying? Like I know they, what you're saying, kinda, but I think the judgment of God isn't like that. I don't think it's like a, it's a you know a scale of zero to ten, and the people who are tens get to go to heaven to like the the best place, and there's somehow a scale that eventually, you know, at five it splits well, in between you're see, going to heaven and hell. God's judgment is that his judgment is divine and his judgment is just. So if he judges someone to go, hey, you deserve this torment, then they deserve the torment. But if you're outside of God, is, don't you? Isn't it all the same at that point? Like if you're outside of Jesus, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It seems weird that there's that distinction because then, like, is there a, a reverse distinction where um, in heaven there's like people that I don't know will be extra blessed for their work on earth? Doesn't I believe that? That's a thing. But we're not saved by works, so I don't, I don't know why that, works would all of a sudden be like you're not saved by. But by the way, do. But isn't I think that might be like a common belief, but I don't know if it's a biblical teaching. Now, it does say that some people will be like saved by the, I think the, the quote is uh, skin of their teeth. Let me just look that up. It looks like uh, Job 19 mentioned something to that, uh, to that extent. Let me, let me just. Yeah, so 2 Corinthians has uh, verse 13 that sort of relates to what I Let's read it. Um, I'm trying to find it. 
Okay, Second Corinthians. But now I just want to know, so I can read with you. Uh, five, ten. Fifteen, twenty. Hmm. You're For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recomp recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So. You're judged, but that doesn't necessarily mean that um, doing more good somehow is better, right? They're just saying uh, if if you if you're preaching Christ, if you you're following Christ, then uh, good, and if you are not, then then bad. Like I I don't necessarily read levels of this, but I can certainly see how other people would. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a, re a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Yeah, but I think we need to be careful. Like, when you look at the law in the Old Testament, mm -hmm. I'm sure there's a number of things in the long list of the law where people can say, like, you see, I do this every day, I'm, I'm good. And then there's, you know, a list of things that they fell short of. And according to the law, it, you have to be 100%. You can't be like, oh, the things that everyone can see I'm really good at, so I'm going to be better. So I think in the same sense... Uh, I, I just get confused about, like, why use different words if you're saying the same thing? For, like, for hell, specifically? Yeah. Like, why use different words for hell if it's all the same place? And everyone who doesn't go to heaven goes there. And there's, well, you know, like, why? they use different words because there's different times, right? So, Sheol is because back in the day, the comparable things that they could talk about were things that they learned in Assyria or while they but were like, captive in why, Babylon. Why does that computer, though, use Tartarus when he could use Sheol? Because that's... Uh, so, Tartarus is like a, the verb of being thrown into Hades. Um, so it's still referring to Hades, but the, the word itself is a verb about Hades. Yeah. But I think ultimately, like, when you don't have a whole lot of resources, what you have to do is, like, draw on what people already know. So in Greek society at Jesus' time, they knew all about the Greek religions. Mm -hmm. So it's really easy to talk about Hades because everyone went, oh, okay, I know what that is because there's so many stories about it and... Jesus is like, well, it's kind of like that. Or for the Hebrews back in the day when they, when the prophets were, were, uh, were trying to warn people or trying to teach, uh, they would talk about Sheol because everyone knew what it was. In fact, half the, the Israelites or, or Hebrews, depending on what generation you're talking about, uh, were like practicing things mm -hmm. about uh, you know, religions from Assyria or Babylon. So, of course, they understood it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that that's why there's different words. I don't think it's because they mean 
like they're significant and they use a certain words in certain times. Uh, if they're talking to a, a Hebrew Israelite audience, they're probably going to talk about Sheol. And if they're talking to Greeks, mm. uh, it makes a lot more sense Hades. that they would uh, talk about Hades because the Greeks wouldn't necessarily know yeah. Yeah. about the Hebrew uh, religions. Religion, I should say. So anyway, so Eternal Torment uh, certainly sounds like there's some Bible reference to it. So the, the top two that I found... So I'll get you to look up one, I'll look up the other. So you look up Matthew ten fifteen, and I'm going to look up Luke 12, 46. Um, we're going to stick with teachings of Jesus, because the other ones are like prophets and stuff talking about like, oh, uh, the judgment of God is like this, but at Matthew least with what? Jesus, uh, Matthew ten fifteen, uh, but at least like a teaching of Jesus is like, oh, okay. Closer to the... Yeah. I want to say the source, but that has bad connotations. Yes. Matthew ten fifteen. Yep. Truly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Hmm. That's quite the statement. Yeah, Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, for those that don't know, uh, got... Uh, like boiling sulfur rained on them and the whole city was destroyed and in fact uh lot's wife while they were running away uh looked back and turned into a pillar of salt so she was told not to though so it's not like correct but, I, but i'm just saying like the destruction was i don't think it was just sulfur rain it was something something so catastrophic that if they didn't keep moving uh, and looking away from it that they were going to be destroyed. Probably like our equivalent of like a nuclear bomb. Yeah. Like I think the sulfur rain is it's described that way because they, they didn't have any other words for like In my Bible it just stuff. says they were destroyed by fire from heaven. So think of that how you will. <laughs> So mine is uh, Luke twelve forty six to forty eight. I'm gonna go back to forty five because forty six is in the middle of a sentence. Mm. Uh, but if that slave says in his heart, "My master is delaying his coming," and starts to beat the male and female slaves and to eat and drink and get drunk, that slave's master will come on a day he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, he will cut him into pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. And that slave who knew his master's will and didn't prepare himself or do it will be severely beaten. Um, and that's like, so the context is Jesus talking in parables and talking about if, if like a master left a slave in charge and left and then didn't say when he was coming back and the slave gets accustomed to, to all that power. Like, don't you expect when the master comes back that he's going to, like, severely punish that person? But what's kind of interesting about punishment is I, I'll, I'll use, like, the context we know as, as kids. When you get punished, it's like a temporary thing so you learn your lesson. And, and even then, like, throughout the whole Old Testament, there, there's punishments when uh, Israel disobeys God. But question, aren't those punishments kind of related to the severity of what was done to require punishment? Well, when, when you're kids, yes. Uh, but the punishment, the very popular one uh, that God liked to use in the Old Testament was, yeah. uh, well, I was going to say, uh, taking away the promised land. So, like, 
everyone finally like, oh, yeah, we're in the promised land. We're going to build, you know, the city of Jerusalem. We're going to build the temple. And if they were unfaithful, then uh, God would put them in exile, put them in slavery and be like, okay, when you guys are, are done having your tantrum and, and done doing this other stuff, I'll let you out and then then we'll try again. But, uh... Do you think if Moses hadn't rebelled against God... Moses rebelled against God? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, um, you're going to have to be more specific. I don't disagree with you. I believe it was when everyone else around him rebelled and he got angry at God and he, like, hit a, the stone when all the water came out of it. Hmm. Um, and according to one scholar, I'll say... That was him rebelling against God, and that was the reason he didn't get into the promised land. So it wasn't because everyone around him, you know, sinned or whatever, he was dragged along. It was because he also did something to rebel. So it seems like, I don't know, the punishment is still in relation to what you've done yourself? I don't know. Alex just shook his head at me. Uh, well, I just shrugged. I didn't shake my head. But I'll shake my head now. I hope you guys can all hear this. But yeah, so uh, there's the idea of like a punishment, but then it might also be eternal, uh, which kind of sucks because, you know, with punishment, you expect like punishment to learn a thing and 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 eternal um, punishment sucks. So um, that could be one. The other uh, main one is, of course, annihilation. What's kind of interesting is there's not really like... There's not really any Bible verse that you can point at and be like, oh, when you go to hell, you're just destroyed, right? There's certainly talk about punishment and, and separation, but... Isn't it based off um, people calling, I think it's Sheol, like the great sleep or something? And so to them it's, well, if you're if you're just sleeping, then it's... Or they take that as a symbolic, not, a, not like a literal sleep. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but that, that has nothing to do with annihilation. That's just more like uh, being put in a coma. But anyway, so annihilationism is uh, mainly taught uh, with Seventh-day Adventists, Jehovah's Witness, and a new one that I've never heard of called, like, Christadelphians. Uh, so if you've ever heard of Christadelphians, uh, look them up. I did a little bit of research on them to, just to figure out, like, what they are. Uh, they're... They're kind of weird. So Seventh-day Adventists, uh, in my opinion, are like, they're right at the edge of Christianity. Like, they're not too far away from, like, becoming, like, some sort of, like, cult. But they're they're not that far. But they are, like, they're very strict and have very, very particular um, are they still rules. Are existence now? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. There's one uh, just two towns over. What? Yeah. There's a, there's a church. Um, Jeez. So anyway, so while Seventh-day Adventists are, like, there, and I would still consider them, uh, for the most part, in, like, the, um, you know, within the realm of biblical teaching, uh, Christadelphians are just on the other side of that fence. So they're, like, they've gone, they've gone too far in some directions, um, and they're very, they're very strange. Anyway, look them up in your free time. I don't want to go too much into them. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about the New Age influences. Okay. Um, because this will be more, more just fun stuff. So, um, 
more depressing. <laughs> it depends on your perspective. So, uh, there's, uh, I'll just rhyme them all off, then we'll just talk about whichever ones kind of happen to be the ones we care about talking about. So there's like, uh, in general, universalism. There's also uh, well, Christian... Well, maybe we could give brief definitions of these as you say them. Okay. Instead of just saying words. Universalism. Tell me what it is. I believe that is everyone is saved. You are correct. Uh, Christian science, do you know what they oh. believe? Because I, I can tell you if you don't. So they kind of see hell as more of a day-to-day consequence of sin. So hell isn't like a place you go. Hell is a thing that you incur when you commit sin as it happens, almost. Uh, it Aren't was, they also like sickness is hell, kind of? Yeah, yeah, it would totally be that. Um, they, they have all sorts of strange stuff. Uh, I would uh, I would put them further than Christadelphians like, where they're like... is hell yeah. literally Well, um, yeah, I think they'd say that sin is just, like, the absence of, of like, righteous faith. They're, they're very, uh, like, they don't believe in that materialism exists. Like, they're, remember, they're, like, super, everything is immaterial. God is in everything. God is the source. Hmm. Um, all that stuff, so. Yeah. Okay. All right, then there's, uh, Jehovah's Witness. We'll just call him JW, and then you can you can add uh, uh, whatever type of pluralization and. Um... That's what it is. <laughs> All right. Do Do you know what they believe? Uh, annihilation, I believe. Yeah. So they believe that when you die, you literally are just like in your grave, mm-hmm. uh, asleep, uh, and, then and you get the opportunity at the second death to either accept Jehovah. Or reject him and then be permanently annihilated forever. Yeah, that? sort of. So yeah, at uh, at the second coming, um, the righteous will be resurrected and they will be like the bosses of New Earth, mm-hmm. and the wicked will be just destroyed. Mm-hmm. Now, Christadelphians, because uh, we brought them up already, are very similar, and the only difference is um, for Jehovah's Witness, everyone Witnesses. for JWs. <laughs> Everyone gets resurrected, yep. but some of them are destroyed, yep. and others are not. Whereas Christadelphians, you're judged before resurrection, and just like in your sleep, you're either destroyed or resurrected. I mean, that's kind of a... If it were biblical, that'd be a nice positive way to go. You just don't even know you're asleep. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But it also, to me, that means that God's like righteous judgment doesn't have a chance to be acted on. It's just like... Well, is like, he the one making the judgment call? Yeah, but if if you don't know that you're being judged and you just get destroyed, like, is that... Is that as good as God, like, actually saying, like, and here's... Here's, here's where you went wrong, son. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway... That's like if a tree falls in the forest and no one hears, did it really Exactly. Um, and then there's the Latter-day Saints. Uh, so this one, I I read a couple of things, and I just ended up being more confused than anything. So th- this is kind of what I 
what I got out of it, and I don't know how accurate this is. But they believe when you die, you kind of go into, like, a spirit prison if you uh, reject Christ, which is, like, a temporary place. Um, Christ visited that spirit prison when he was crucified to, like, bring people out of it. And, um... In spirit prison, anyone can be redeemed. So if you weren't good enough uh, in your life, if if they Mormon it up enough for you, you can be redeemed. Or if you like learn enough while you're in the spirit prison, uh, you can be redeemed. Right, because they're Mormons. They are Mormons. Yep. <laughs> I always get them confused with um, Seventh Day Adventists. Oh, really? For me, it's like. Jehovah's Witness. Witnesses. And Mormons, because they have they have a, a number of parallels. Why do say that Seventh Day Adventists in my brain mush together? Oh. Just the names, not what they actually stand for. Well, that's wrong. Oh. <laughs> um, now the next okay, one, which will be a spirit prison where they can either get out or knock it out, sort of like purgatory. Yeah, it's it's much closer to purgatory. Than not. Uh, now, this one, which is going to be maybe your favorite to talk about, is Swedenborgism. Oh, yeah. So, as we've learned before, Sweden, Actually, Swedenborg. I've never explained him at oh. all. I just make references to him that no one understands. So, okay, so the, the real brief summary is you can trace almost any New Age movement in the church. Uh, if you trace it back far enough, you're going to hit Swedenborg. Well, he was 1700, so only up until that point. Well, and yeah. And after, before that, will be someone else. But. Yeah, I mean, once you go before that, you probably wouldn't be calling it New Age. In fact, at that point, you wouldn't have even called it New Age. But certainly anything like... I believe they would call it Spiritism. Yeah. Anyway, so do, do you know what Sweden, Swedenborgists, I guess is what you call them? Uh, Tell me. All right. So, they believe heaven and hell are kind of... I'm going to describe them as like magnets. So if you have an evil spirit, you will be pulled towards hell. And if you have a good spirit, it gets pulled towards heaven. Okay. Um, and... So it has nothing to do with what you believe, necessarily? I, I don't know. It's just if it's evil or good. I, I don't know what's... What they count that as? Yeah. Okay. Um, and basically, in the spiritual realm... There's just infinite energy and time, so if you're evil, you have to be punished and uh, like for all eternity. Because if you're not, you're gonna escape this like hell magnet and go out and do it. But on top of it, being punished and being in this hell place, if you're an evil spirit, is uh, good. You f- you feel happiness and delight because you're like because drawn you're towards the evil, evil of. And you're going to evil. Yeah. And then, likewise, with, you know, it's the heaven same equivalent sure. with, with heaven. Yeah, really weird. Interesting. Um, it would suck if you were good and you ended up in the evil part. But, but then, then you'd, like, you'd be punished and you wouldn't be drawn there. You'd be yeah, drawn. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, you've got the evil filled with, like, serial killers and stuff. And you're, like, the good. And you're like, oh, no, I'm being dragged the wrong way. And then, you know, yeah, chaos. Yeah, and the last one is a Unity Church. And uh, they believe that hell is just a false teaching. And they specifically think that it contradicts the teaching of, like, the book of John and the epistles of John. I don't have any, like, reference for that, though. I didn't dig too far into Unity Church. I think it's because of, like, 
because it says like for God so the world when we got the sun so that like not for like everyone yeah you, you don't have it memorized do you no I do I'm just trying to okay, remember my the, thought cause there's some kind of verse where they go like if God died for everyone or if Jesus died for everyone then he died for everyone and therefore there is no hell like that's kind well, of well I can tell you how to counter that the basic all cars have brakes brakes were made for every car but that does not mean that everyone will push the brakes coming to a stop yeah. sign or a red light I think they also think of it as like you know, God is love, and a loving God can never send anyone to hell. Yeah, well, I mean, that's so wrong, because it grieves God. Like, when we, mm-hmm. when we fell at the garden, he was grieved, and at some, you know, far enough in, he's like, I gotta, I gotta kill all these people. <laughs> like, I can't put up with, like, all the stuff that they do against me. Um, against each other. And against, well... Sacrificing their children. God would even say, because we bear God's image, that when we harm each other, it's it's against him. It's against his creation. It's against everything that he has done for us. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's, that's everything about hell. So Which, what do you think? I think hell is a place that is um, eternal... And by place, you mean a spiritual place? It, it is some form of a place which is maybe spiritual, although I would, I would argue that it is impossible for you to get to this place by traveling. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know, though. And I believe uh, God holds it together, but he does not make his presence known at all. Would you say that, like, demons, like, con- not control the place, but, like... No. Or in the place? In the place, sure. Or like, um... But I think it's devoid of light. It's devoid of, uh, sense. It is devoid of love. Can you have no sense? Um, well, I mean, like, probably, like, sense of surroundings. Like, there's no... It's like a deep, dark hole, sort of. Yeah, like, something where you are... deep enough in the water that it's, like, a nothingness, kind of. Yeah, like, I think it's a place of loneliness... And even if you can hear other people, you, you can't... Do you think there's fire? <laughs> Maybe. And gnashing of teeth? I, I don't know about that, because that also depends... Mm-hmm. If it's a spiritual place, then, like, does fire exist in the spirit? Mm-hmm. I don't know. If it's a physical place, uh, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't know that, but I think it's a place... Because right now, I, I think a lot of people don't understand that, like, God's presence is, like, all over the earth. Right and They're like, not in the earth. yeah, it's not. It's not because like he he is all of creation, but he is present, holding it together and making himself available to people, even if they reject it every second of their life. And I think when that presence is removed, uh, there'll be like such despair and loneliness and darkness. I mean, that itself could probably. Well, that is the torment that. That I would consider it. I don't think it's like a bunch of demons with whips and they got yeah, pitchforks yeah, yeah. and they're all laughing, having a good time. It's just and... torturous because everything good is gone. Yes. Yeah. And I I think people don't recognize all the good that they have. Mm-hmm. Like even even like people in Africa that have nothing, they have 
they have things and they have the presence of God providing those good things and even though it may not seem like a lot God provides life he provides food he provides uh, companionship and I don't mean just to him but like for other people um, and life is like a good thing when God created it he's like that's very good and I think when those things are removed it is going to be a real bad time for those people and I I'm thinking about uh, how uh, when Jerusalem fell in like 70 AD or whatever and they all had to start eating their own children how hmm. like because there was no food or anything how you know was there anything good at that time <laughs> Well, there, there's like, still it's life, just, it's so... and I believe that if those people uh, trusted in God, that they wouldn't have had to eat their or, children. You know, didn't crucify Jesus. Well, that that part had to happen. Yeah. And even like there's even though it, it was a tragedy, it's like you know there's there's verses that say it was God's great pleasure. Right, like he didn't come to Earth going like, "Oh man, I hope they they don't crucify me, and we can just I can just live to be an old man and teach them, <laughs> teach them all about God." Like that was never never part of it. That yeah. wasn't that wasn't the deal. Yeah. Um, so I guess yeah. maybe the good thing is that they came out of it. it yeah, it wasn't permanent. And I, well, I just think like in uh, in Numbers when they're like wandering in the desert for forty years. The trip was um, only supposed to take them, what, two weeks? Um, theoretically. Yeah. And anyway, so within that 40 years, God provided manna, whatever that was, um, but certainly food. And people are capable of going where food is. And I think, I think whatever happened at 70 AD, I wasn't there. I can't speak to it. But I think... Read some Josephus. But I think God would have provided to those who are faithful and asked... Mm. And uh, the people who were not faithful and didn't ask went, well, I guess I got to eat my kids. Going to go back to those pagan things because we know we can cook a kid. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is interesting, though, how, like, for such a hot topic, <laughs> um, there isn't a whole lot of information. Yeah. Well, I always consider, like, the Bible to be um, a, a place where we can learn about the character of God and salvation through Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think as a result, like, you don't talk about the absence of those things. You talk about the presence of those things because that's what teaches people how to do it. Mm-hmm. So I think hell is intentionally not, like, an overly taught thing because uh, it's not it's not There's a tool really that brings people there. in. Yeah. yeah, and I guess maybe too is if there was a lot of information about hell, then it could be used more of a tool for evangelism or not. But because like it's really really bad and it's gonna you're gonna get blisters like and if it had like all of these details of all the horrible things that could happen to you, then you wouldn't you know be a Christian because know Jesus he would be one because you don't want to go to hell like it would have that power mm-hmm. as opposed to which a lot of people treat it that way anyway <laughs> I know but I think it would be even worse if um, 
rich person and they don't know if their wife married them because she loves him or she wants his money. Yeah, I mean, that, w- that would be... <laughs> I mean, if Jesus were around today, I think that would be a legitimate parable he would talk about. Is yeah. like, you know, do, do you do you love me because I love you, or do you love me uh, because of all the things that I give? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's tough. But that's why God judges the heart. And You should end on a positive note. Say something positive. Um, so, in spite of all this hell talk... Oh, well... Jesus has provided a way out of that. There you go. Because, of course, we all know that... Uh, the, Do we all know? Uh, well, you, you're going to know that the punishment for sin is death. And not just death of the body, but uh, either death of the soul or eternal torment. Those seem to be the leading uh, biblical-ish teachings. And you don't want that, so... So God introduced a sacrifice that blood covers sin. Redemption. Yes, which, of course, uh, it never covered it enough. So uh, this was uh, the, the build-up to the fact of sending Jesus, God's only son, uh, who was fully man and fully divine, as the ultimate sacrifice to cover all sins to those who accept by faith not by works. So repent, follow Jesus. And closing high five. That could hurt their ears. So I might have to edit that. Kiss it bye. Uh. That's not bye. Bye.